This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Monday, January 23rd. You're listening to WNBF. For the second time in less than a week, a restaurant that's been a fixture in Binghamton is ceasing operations. Curry's of India at 45 Court Street on Friday was serving its final weekday takeout lunches with only a few items available. A co-owner of the restaurant declined to discuss the decision to close in detail, but she indicated she's retiring after operating the establishment for nearly 35 years. The small restaurant had served Indian cuisine to downtown workers and shoppers. Like many similar businesses, it experienced major challenges in the early months of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. According to archived news accounts, the husband and wife who operated the restaurant came to the United States from India in 1977. They launched Curries of India on Court Street after they operated another restaurant on Front Street for a couple of years. Signs in the windows of Curries of India on Friday indicated everything in the restaurant was for sale, including equipment and items of art that lined its walls. The Office of New York State Attorney General Letitia James is reviewing the circumstances surrounding the arrest of Hamel Waddle by Binghamton Police. Waddle was injured when police officers took him into custody around 3.20 a.m. New Year's Day. The incident happened near the intersection of State and Hawley Streets, just steps from city police headquarters. Cell phone video shot by people at the scene shows a Binghamton police officer with a knee on Waddle's neck. Mayor Jared Cram on Friday morning released a statement indicating city police officials have been in contact with the state attorney general's office regarding the incident. According to Cram, the office has requested records related to Waddle's arrest and a complaint he filed on January 2nd. The mayor said he hopes the review by the attorney general's office will result in additional bystander video footage of the arrest being made available to assist in determining the facts. Cram also wrote, we are committed to following the facts as the internal investigation remains open and to protecting the integrity of the fact-finding process while addressing the Office of Attorney General's request. The focus of the investigation will be on the actions of a Binghamton police officer who has been with the department for 19 years. He was placed on desk duty while the incident is being reviewed. Dara Silberstein, Waddle's attorney on Friday, declined to comment on her client's case, but in an email, she welcomed the Attorney General's office involvement in looking into what appears to be egregious actions of the BPD. She wrote that there is enough evidence in the public domain that shows the officer kneeling on Mr. Waddle's neck and other officers failing to intervene. If true, then we hope that appropriate actions will be taken against the offending officers. The Attorney General's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment on its investigation. Some New York residents who have fallen behind on energy and heating bills received some good news this week. Their debts are being forgiven. An estimated 478,000 residential customers and 56,000 small businesses will have their energy and heating debts forgiven under a new plan enacted by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul on Thursday. In a press release on Thursday, Governor Hochul stated every New Yorker deserves affordable energy, yet too many New Yorkers are at risk of having their lights turned off due to financial problems caused by the pandemic. Earlier this month, I laid out extensive proposals to make energy more affordable in my State of the State address. And with this historic electric and gas utility relief, we're achieving another major milestone to help New Yorkers stay warm during the cold winter months. In total, New York State residents will be receiving $672 million in assistance to pay off their past due electric and heating bills. As a part of the press release, Governor Hochul announced an additional $200 million in available relief for New Yorkers who make under $75,000 a year. 
but have not been eligible for previous heating and electric discount programs. In Broome County Court, Jamie Crowley, age 46, of Windsor, was sentenced to seven years in New York State Prison with five years of post-release supervision. In November, Crowley was found guilty by a Broome County jury of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, menacing in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and criminal possession of a firearm. The charges related to a July 3, 2021 incident at Crowley's residence on Cascade Valley Road in Windsor. Broome County Sheriff's deputies investigating a report of a firearm being discharged shot Crowley after he pointed a firearm at them. Crowley sustained a non-life-threatening gunshot wound to his shoulder. A search of his residence uncovered several more illegal firearms. Michael A. Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, stated this is the consequence of pointing a firearm at law enforcement. Mr. Crowley is lucky to be alive. The deputy acted lawfully and in conformity with the, poli- with the policies and procedures of the Broome County Sheriff's Office. We will continue to support the brave men and women of law enforcement who respond to dangerous situations daily and prosecute those who possess firearms illegally. New York City is temporarily turning a cruise ship terminal into a shelter and services hub for asylum seekers. Mayor Eric Adams announced the plan Saturday. It's the latest in a series of facilities the city has set up and sometimes shut down as it strains to handle an ongoing influx. The city says the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal will have room, food, medical care, and other services for 1,000 single men. Its first occupants will move from another relief center at a hotel, which will switch to accommodating asylum-seeking families with children. Adams says since last spring, 41,000 asylum seekers have come to the city, sometimes on buses sent by out-of-state governors. Democratic lawmakers in a handful of states are trying to send a message two years after the violent attack on the U.S. Capitol. Their message is that those people who engaged in an attempt to overthrow of the government shouldn't be allowed to run it. New York, Connecticut, and Virginia are among states where proposed legislation would prohibit anyone convicted of participating in an insurrection from holding public office or a position of public trust, such as becoming a police officer. While the bills vary in scope, their aim is similar. Many Republicans refused to see the attempt to violently halt the congressional certification of the 2020 presidential vote as an insurrection. And President Joe Biden persuaded Democrats in Congress to provide hundreds of billions to fight climate change. Now comes another formidable task, enticing Americans to buy millions of electric cars, heat pumps, solar panels, and more efficient appliances. Biden faces a public relations challenge that could determine whether the country achieves his ambitious goal to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. One analyst says the battle will be waged one household at a time. Officials hope consumers will respond to tax credits and rebates when they make purchasing decisions if they are aware of them. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, snow mainly before 1 p.m., then a chance of snow showers after 2 p.m., a high near 34 degrees, 90% chance of snow. Tonight, a slight chance of snow showers between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 36. Tomorrow night, cloudy with a low near 22. And Wednesday, snow likely before 2 p.m., then rain and snow, possibly mixed with freezing rain, a high near 35 degrees, 100% chance of snow. Wednesday night, rain and snow becoming all rain after 11 p.m., a low near 33 degrees, chance of rain 100%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, Monday morning, this is Bob Joseph live, ready for you, ready for your calls, and ready for whatever this week will bring. The number to call is 607-772-1290. What are your thoughts? 
If you have thoughts, please share them right here on a Monday morning from News Radio WNBF. In a crowd in a city Proceedings on Binghamton's west side with Ron. Good morning. Bob, I'm, I'm in kind of a chipper mood this morning, and I wanted to relate a thought about billionaires, millionaires, and sheep. And if you will allow me, I'm going to switch into my Franklin Delano Roosevelt voice. <clears throat> I'm ready. Yesterday, January 22nd, 2023, the Buffalo Bills were suddenly and viciously attacked by air and ground forces of the empire of Cincinnati. The Bills had all the advantages, snow, home field, mafia attendance, and they blew it. And now we're supposed to buy them a new stadium. Forbid it, almighty God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Bob, you know, we, uh, you know, in a serious note, we've got uh, the pegulas, if I'm saying that right. The pegulas, the pegulas. I think it's pegulas. Anyway, yeah, a couple of billionaires from Florida, yes. With uh, also a very talented daughter who is uh, a tennis star. So, yeah. having having said that, yes, continue. Yeah. Well, you've got those billionaires, and then they you've got Josh Allen and 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 the team of millionaires, uh, and uh, they want to be funded by you know the people of New York State, the sheep who are you know, being taken to the slaughter tax-wise by Governor Hochul, and she's going to put all of this money, all of this state money, into building a stadium for a private concern. Uh, and, you know, Bob, what what drives this, really? I mean, if you, if you uh, had a referendum of the people of Erie County, they would probably vote for being fleeced themselves and, and paying for this. But it's not just the people of Erie County, the people of Broome County and all of the 62 counties in, in New York State. Are there 62? I, I thought I hit that, but I don't know. There are 62. Oh, well. Well, except okay. for Tioga, which is, as of February 1st, Tioga is succeeding to become part of Pennsylvania. So then it'll oh, be down no. to 61 because... People in Tioga County don't like being part of New York. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I'm kidding. Somebody is going to write that down. Hey, Marty, did you hear? <laughs> and she'd be like, that Bob, what a scamp. Well, Bob, I but actually, she's liable to say, that Bob, what a great idea. 
and she's liable to propose legislation. She's liable to call a special meeting of the Tioga County Legislature to propose that the county actually succeed from New York and become part of the Keystone State, because, after all, Keystone beer is affordable. That's right. You know, that's, this is like a 54-40 or fight. We're, go, we're going to uh, secede. Well, I'm a Broome County person, but, uh, you know, we, we're going to secede. Tioga County is going to uh, be part of PA. And that what if that causes, uh, you know, a thing? That all of a sudden, that, then we have Delaware County and Broome County. And, uh, out west, what's that? Uh, that county? Chemung. Chemung. Well, I mean, even further west, there are Jamestown. Steuben. Oh, I don't know. I yeah. like I like Chemung and Steuben counties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so but but anyway. Jamestown. Let's see. Now I have to look it up. Chautauqua County. Oh, Chautauqua. County. You know, I think uh, some of those county names are going to have to be changed too, because to me, it seems too many counties in upstate New York got their names uh, directly or indirectly by referencing Native Americans, so that'll be the next big battle after after the Owego Appalachian School District comes up with a new name because they're being told to by the State Education Department, the bureaucrats in Albany. And here's my proposal, Ronald, for the new branding, the rebranding of... Um, I, I can't even say their name on the radio in polite company. The Owego Appalachian teams uh, will become known as the Owego Appalachian Stars. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you? Now taking the field, the Owego Appalachian Stars. <laughs> it's almost as bad as that new soda that Pepsi came out called Starry. Did you see that? Their Pepsi had this soda that they tried desperately for for the last several years to uh, to run against the highly successful beverage issued by the Coca Cola company called Sprite, and they made no inroads, so they just pulled the plug on what do they call it? Uh, Sierra Mist. So they shut that one down, and they put out a new beverage in the same lemon lime sugary category to go up against uh, Sprite. It's called Starry. <laughs> well, that stands, yeah. that stands a big chance of being successful. It Look look at it. If I think even before Sierra Mist, they had one similar in that category, the soda category of lemon-lime beverages called Slice. That didn't work. Slice wouldn't work. Sierra Mist wouldn't work. And now they just two weeks ago debuted their new lemon lime soda called Starry, and I'm thinking, wow, wow, the people at PepsiCo have truly lost their way. And they can get Don McLean. They're saying his Starry, song, Starry Night. Song. Yeah, there you go. one of my favorites. Hey, hey Bob, here's the thing. Now, if I know you're a Moxie guy, but if uh, is there a runner-up in your? Uh, Taste. Uh, if you if you didn't have a moxie and you wanted a soda, cheer wine, cheer wine. Which, despite the name, is not wine. It's a soda. It's a cherry flavored soda, very popular, primarily in the South. I believe it's from 
Salisbury, North Carolina. Anyway, if you see it, get yourself a bottle. Ironically, I was at the Owego um, Purveyor of fine vintage and, and historically popular sodas. I popped in there yesterday to talk with the owner in Owego. I think you're familiar with, with the location, Fuddy Duddies. And yeah. I, I was amazed at the, at the wide array of unusual and vintage soda brands that stock there. He, he saw me and said, oh, did you just come in for a moxie? And I said, I, I don't really need a moxie today. <laughs> I, think, I think he was about then going to call uh, the Owego squad to, to have me checked out because I think he was really surprised when, when I said I wasn't there to pick up a moxie. Well, well, you know what, uh, uh, Fuddy Duddies, I'm wondering, and I know you had the Fuddy Duddy owner on recently, uh, a great store. I wonder if they have uh, Dr. Brown's Cell Ray. Have you ever had Cell Ray? I've, me I've meant to have it. I've, I, I've, my intention, same as though for the last 17 years, I've intended to try Vegemite, but still haven't gotten around to it yes i've meant to try that that soda and the answer to your question is that in stock there i i'm not sure i when i was glancing at the beverages the beverage section sunday afternoon i didn't happen to notice it but i there were there were several so i i wasn't taking wasn't taking note of of all the varieties he had but i wouldn't be surprised or if he doesn't have it if he doesn't have it because he I think listens to the program, he'll probably get it. Well, you know, it is a really acquired taste, if, if you ever acquired the taste for celery. Now, Moxie, uh, you know, I've had Moxie, and, and I, I like it. It, it. it is distinctive, and I happen to like it, but I think Moxie is one of those uh, things like, oh, like black olives. You either love them or you hate them. There's no middle. Oh, I love black yeah. olives. Well, there you go. So this is my plan. I'll get a big 12-ounce bottle, an ice-cold bottle of celery, and <laughs> shove a couple of black olives into it. So <laughs> there you go. There's, there's good eating. I, I looked up on the Internet for people not familiar with the concept of celery, the beverage celery, which apparently, talk about being around it, if you believe this, the entry on Wikipedia, celery is even older than moxie. If this is to believe, it's be believed. It says it was introduced in 1869. Color golden, flavor celery. Distributor J and R Bottling out of Brooklyn, New York. It's a celery flavored soft drink from Dr. Brown's. It is fairly easy to find in New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and in South Florida, but rather obscure elsewhere. Yeah, well, I, I used to have it because I grew up uh, down, well, in New Jersey, but in the New York metropolitan area. And uh, when I went for a hot dog with mustard and sauerkraut at the local uh, um, hot dog purveyor near the theater, I would have a celery or a cream soda with my hot dog. Yeah, celery, uh, distinctive, uh, like moxie for the... Uh, for the few, not for the many. Well, I'm looking now at the ingredients. One thing that saddens me, and I'm surprised, is according to the Internet, 
the ingredient listing doesn't include cane sugar. It says carbonated water, high fructose corn syrup, citric acid, extract of celery seed with other natural flavors, sodium benzoate, of course, as a preservative and caramel color. But, um, yeah, I will. I'll put that on my list. That's That's on my bucket list. That's the only thing, Ron, on my bucket list. Vegemite isn't even on my bucket list, but now celery soda. And of note, Dr. Brown's sodas are kosher. They're often sold in Jewish delicatessens and restaurants and can also be found in specialty grocers and grocery stores that specialize in American food in Israel. So actually, I'll have to take a look. I've never noticed it, but it wouldn't shock me if that small neighborhood grocery store in Johnson City near the mall, if they might have it. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I I wouldn't put it past them. I'll take a look someday when I'm over there to get a newfangled sub. The flavor is derived from celery seed extract. It's reminiscent of ginger ale, but with a pronounced celery flavor that is more pungent or peppery than ginger ale. Is it true? It's somewhat peppery. Well, I I don't find it uh, particularly peppery. Uh, it it. I couldn't describe the taste. It has to be experienced, but it's, um, you, again, you either will like it or hate it. No middle ground with this. But I had one last thought. Sure. You know, if you're, if you're shaping up to put out, uh, if you're going to have Vegemite and black olives, celery, moxie, all of this stuff, um, and you, you could have a day in which this uh, you have this down at WNBF, and we could call it, what if they gave, what if Bob gave a buffet and nobody came? That <laughs> could happen. It was all, all my personal favorites. Oh, and of course, the feature, the top thing on the menu. Malamars. What? Malamars. Well, Malamars would be for dessert. Oh. Actually, not just Malamars, also a candy bar called Vallow Milk. Have you ever had Vallow Milk? Uh, no, isn't that a, like Agent Orange or something? <laughs> no, it's actually not, but it's like, uh, it's very similar to the Boyer Brothers candy called Mallow Cup, except it's actually better. And it's it's actually made by a family in Kansas, and it's very difficult to get. And it's not inexpensive, but as candy goes, if you ever, I'm serious, Ron, if you ever find uh vallow milk they come in t- you know to a package of two like the uh mallow cups or peanut butter cups and that's how that's the format they're um they're uh chocolate in little paper cups and uh hey even if it costs you three bucks buy one buy one money back if not delighted Oh, wow. I'm, All right. I'm going to look for those. Yes, thank you. All right. I'm here to please. It's 927 at News Radio, WNBF with Bob Joseph. And also here to please the people from the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal, 4455 Vestal Parkway East. And they are there for you. And they're there, they're there for you today. Don't worry. I know some people are saying, but Bob, it's a little snowy. Don't let a little snow get you down. If you go, drive carefully and enter 
of the parking lot and park your vehicle and talk with a representative of the Miller Auto Team. If you're looking for a new Honda, a new Hyundai, or perhaps a late model used vehicle, they'll help you. They'll help you today. That's what they do at Miller Motors on the Parkway, directly across from Binghamton University. So if now is the time to get a dependable car, if you've suddenly come to the realization that, gee, we still have two more months of winter in this uh, vehicle I currently am struggling with, may not make it, well, go get something dependable, whether it's new or used, from the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway Investal. If you want more information, check the website, millerautoteam.com. This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF 921 FM 1290 AM and streaming at wnbf.com. Get a job. That is the constant refrain of every parent and every grandparent in America. And if you or a loved one is looking for employment or maybe for a better opportunity, we have information about uh, an event coming up on Wednesday that could be just the ticket to your future. Joining us now is the world-famous Eric Donaldson. When, Hi, Bob. So when you? when you were in college, you were on the radio. When back in the day, yep, way back in my very first job out of uh, college, low these many... 41 years ago, uh, my first job was as a news person. Uh, I did a news internship in college and uh, did weekend news and overnight DJ shift. So yeah, if you go way back into the archives of Western Pennsylvania radio, uh, there I was. <laughs> and who was that one famous guy who, who emerged uh, and, and became a very well-known uh, news anchor for NPR? Oh, uh, well, so Jack Spear, uh, if you listen to uh, WSKG and usually in the afternoons and in the evenings, uh, you'll hear the, 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 the news person who's doing the news updates at the top of the hour for NPR is Jack Spear, and he uh, graduated from Edinburgh University over in uh, near Erie, and then I worked with him at the radio stations in Meadville, Pennsylvania. That's where I started, and that's where Jack was way back then 40 some years ago and uh yeah he went on to have a long obviously successful career and so yeah when you hear jack spears name you'll know that he's a, a northwest pennsylvania guy and when you told me that suddenly it, it, I, I can't explain it because of course i've never met the guy i've never even seen a picture of him but after you told me several months ago yeah. every time i heard jack spear it was sort of by osmosis oh i know him or i know somebody who knew him <laughs> oh, back yeah. back in the day no, but but still yeah. it, it caused me to sit up and take notice because people may not believe it but those you hear on on the radio oh yeah they're actually real people they're i mean real people. we haven't yet been 
uh, re- totally replaced by artificial intelligence, but the way technology is going, that Maybe probably someday, may happen in the next six today, to 12 months. Yes. today, we are still live people doing yes. real jobs. And, yes. we, and we are here for you. So anyway, tell us about the, uh, the next Town Square Media Job Fair that's coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, we've had good success with these over the years, uh, and obviously COVID really threw things upside down for a couple of years, but uh, beginning with last summer, we had some very successful job fairs uh, over at the uh, Broome County Farmer's Market uh, facility, which is on Upper Front Street, uh, kind of near the Applebee's up there. And so we've got our next job fair coming up this Wednesday, the 25th, and it's going to be from 11 until 2 at the Broome County Farmer's Market uh, building. And we've got, uh, there will actually be 23 businesses there uh, this time around. So a really nice representation of of a lot of different types of businesses and career opportunities. All right. So I'll rattle down through yeah, some of these. Yeah, give us some, some examples. So like 84 Lumber is going to be there, and, and that's we, they're a new vendor for us uh, this time around, and there are a few, I'll point them out as we go through, that are new or haven't done our job fairs in a while. But 84 Lumber is looking for manager trainees and warehouse associates. Uh, Achieve has a whole variety of open positions, ranging from residents, aides, and assistants, residents, managers, to direct support professionals, employment services professionals, RNs, LPNs, and maintenance technicians. Amrex Chemical has been a, a vendor with us for quite a while, and they're always looking for CDL Class A and Class B drivers, along with day shift warehouse workers and diesel mechanics. Uh, BAE Systems is a new vendor for us and they have entry-level assembly positions and contractor positions. The Broome County Sheriff's Office is looking for correction officers and a deputy sheriff. Buckingham Manufacturing has been a good vendor with us for a few different job fairs. They need industrial stitchers, operators, and assemblers. Environ Calibrations, we haven't had them in a while, so they have calibration technicians that they're looking for. Uh, Good Shepherd Communities, and again, they have a whole slew of different uh, career opportunities at Good Shepherd, ranging from RN house charge, RN registered wellness nurses, LPNs, CNAs, through housekeeping, dietary servers, assistant cooks, and speech language pathologists. HCA, which is Helping Celebrate Abilities, has a whole lot of different opportunities from administrative assistants, behavior specialists, certified nursing assistants, to preschool teachers, registered nurses, social workers, speech-language pathologists, and teacher assistants. JA wrote JH Robotics uh, is looking for electrical technicians, production CNC lathe operators, and tool room technicians. Kennedy Valve, we're happy to have them as a new vendor, has maintenance repair technicians, value stream manager, supervisors, maintenance repair, uh, all the way to second shift chippers and finishing schedulers. Marabito Energy Products is looking for senior software developers, junior software developers, billing clerks, office clerks, 
branch managers and store associates. New Vision Industries out in Endicott is a new vendor for us, uh, accepting resumes for CNC and manual machining and turning, quick turn tool and model shop services, all the way through to quality assurance and control. Here's a kind of a unique one. The New York Army National Guard uh, has a variety of positions that come with a $20,000 bonus available. So that's a, a significant opportunity for someone who's interested in being in military police, aviation fueling specialist, explosive ordnance disposal, infantry, cavalry scout, horizontal construction engineer, and Black Hawk helicopter. Uh, Racker has a whole lot of different opportunities from teacher assistant uh, to residential team director, family support coordinator, registered nurses, and direct support professionals. On to page two. Page two. It's like Paul Harvey. Page two. And, and, and after page two, we'll have the rest of the story. Uh, the Raymond Corporation will be there, and they have a, a tremendous number of opportunities, second shift positions, assemblers, material attendants, to maintenance supervisors, te technical writers, um, even things like accountants, production managers, uh, and many, many more opportunities. The Children's Home is looking for teachers aides, teachers, nurses, clinical training specialists, credential family peer advocates, and community-based providers. Tioga Downs Casino Resort has a whole lot of opportunities now and then certainly as they're working toward uh, their summer season. The, once the racing season begins out there at Tioga Downs, they really ramp up their employment as well. But they have a variety of positions in their hotel, in the players club, table game dealers. There you go, Bob. That that could be your new side it hustle. It could be. You could be a, a table game dealer. And I think it. I think from a scheduling standpoint, it would work because I could see where probably they would need me more in Nichols there when I'm go. not necessarily needed here in Binghamton. And so I, I think I think that might be perfect. Thank you. Uh, they also are looking for people in food service and beverages, sales manager, marketing, sports book, and VIP services. Uh, UHS has entry-level positions in food service and environmental services. They have security guard positions, clerical positions, and technical positions. Visions Federal Credit Union uh, has sales and service representatives, uh, and then a tremendous number of opportunities uh, in financial services. Wegmans has a retail manager for the Binghamton location and a retail manager for Ithaca and a retail manager for Elmira. So three different opportunities there, along with a pharmacist and deli team members. And then Willow Run Foods uh, is looking for a senior accountant, cab detailer, and then, as always, they're looking for CDL Class A drivers in a variety of different uh, situations. And then Town Square Media, we're always looking for specifically uh, advertising executives, advertising account salespeople, and uh, digital account executives, uh, people that would be looking really working on the, the digital side of the advertising spectrum a lot of opportunities there you go <laughs> and again the career fair is going to be held from 11 a.m to 2 p.m on wednesday yep 
at the farmer's market, uh, Broome County Farmer's Market facility, which is on Upper Front Street. I think it's 840 Upper Front Street in Binghamton. That's right near the Applebee's on Upper Front Street. Uh, there's a lot of parking, so it's easy. You know, you enter the one entrance, there'll be signs right where you come in, and then uh, you kind of go around the back of the one building, and the big farmer's market complex is right there. It'll be very well marked and uh, an opportunity to really meet with a, a, a nice variety of businesses. But as you can tell from that list, many of the really premier and top end businesses and employers uh, that we have here in Binghamton in the Southern Tier. Great. Well, it sounds, sounds as though many people will have some new opportunities for the new year. And who knows? They, they may look back fondly and say, well, it's all because I was listening to Eric Donaldson on WNBF on January 23rd. Well, hopefully, yes. I mean, yeah. there really are a tremendous number of opportunities out there. Uh, so for people who are just looking to enter the job market or for look, you know, looking at making changes in their careers or finally ready to re-enter the job market after a couple of very odd years. Um, yeah, a lot of people over you know with with the pandemic as as things just have to be blunt you know the wheels seem to fall off uh, our normal lives in march of 2020 and here we are about three years later where uh, three yeah. years later things are starting to to normalize and i think many people are are uh, looking forward and trying to get back to um to a, a routine and also perhaps um with new challenges and and new ideas and even develop new skills with uh, some of these employers. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we hope to see people on Wednesday. Well, thank you, Eric. Next time you see Jack Spear from Washington, <laughs> uh, say, say Bob Joseph said hi. I will. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Have a great day. Thanks, Bob. It's 943. This is WNBF. Welcome. Forty-six, Bob Joseph, WNBF. I'll tell you one thing that was really, really special this morning on my way into the magnificent Parlor City Broadcast Center. Uh, that is the WNBF studio downtown. I stopped on the west side over to Rod Serling's Park. Some people still call it Rec Park. I prefer Rod Serling's Park. And uh, I, I took... A stroll in the park and if you have a computer if you go to Twitter and Binghamton now on Twitter take a look I used to say a picture is worth a thousand words this video of what 
Recreation Park looks like this morning. I don't know how many words. I don't know how many words that this two-minute video is worth, but it's it's one of the best-looking mornings at Rec Park that I think I've ever witnessed. And fortunately, I was able to spend a couple of minutes there to document because the the snow coating the trees uh, throughout the park was just it's almost too good to be true. So if you like Rec Park as much as I do, take a look at that video. What a beautiful, beautiful morning here in Binghamton at our Rec Park. It's on Twitter. If you don't uh, follow Binghamton Now on Twitter, what you can do to get to it easily, you go to twitter.com slash Binghamton Now. No spaces. Twitter.com slash Binghamton Now. Just take a look at this video and, and you tell me if that isn't the most magnificent neighborhood park that you've ever seen. 948 at WNBF. Hi, this is WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, am so, I on? I'm afraid you are. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, John. Yeah, uh, not far from Rec Park, I suppose. Yeah, you know, uh, when's the last tree that the city planted in Rec Park? Good question. Next time the mayor is on, I'll ask. Yeah, you know, I don't know uh, what's green about blacktop. Do you do you know what's green about blacktop? Uh, no, there's. But fortunately, this morning, most of the blacktop was covered with snow. So <clears throat> today, today, most of that that black that uh, that we see on both the, the east and west sides of the park that that was concealed by Mother Nature. Well. On this greenway, which is a blacktop strip, uh, I wonder who's going to maintain that. Are the state is the state going to maintain that? Are they going to plow the snow? And if you look at it, Bob, if you look at the drainage, and there's gaps in the bracing that's bracing up those hills. There's uh, strategic gaps with big rocks in it, and they're perfect hiding places uh, for an attacker a raper or a robber. Uh, but if you begin, say, uh, you know, in front of the old Vestal Plaza, and you look, it's just an ugly piece of blacktop, uh, you know, with some lighting. Uh, I, I don't see the green part of it. Uh, well, maybe they'll... Know, maybe uh, a crew from Binghamton University, after it opens up, they'll... Paint the um, the blacktop. They'll paint it green, bearcat green. Well, um, unless you had quick growing trees uh, that would serve as a buffer to the road, it would seem to me that that you're just inhaling exhaust fumes, uh, you know, with some physical activity. But uh, you know, this is this is the paradox that we have going on, you know, in this uh, in this community. What? Heck is that? Oh, I, I see. I got a, another phone here. I didn't realize it. So, uh, yeah. So. All right. Well, I'll, uh, as I say, I'll ask Mayor Cram when he's on the program, hopefully soon. It's 9.51. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. There are, to be sure, plenty of unanswered questions about the Greenway. But don't worry. 
you know me, I will ask those questions and work to get some answers. It's my plan, anyway. It's 9.51. This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Your Nine fifty four with Bob Joseph live on WNBF. A winter storm warning remains in effect for the Binghamton area for another three hours. The National Weather Service says that winter storm warning is scheduled to be in effect for Broome and Schnago counties until one. There is a winter weather advisory in effect now till one o'clock for Tioga County. So there are some slippery road conditions, and well, you know. Snowfall begins to taper off. In fact, it looks to me like it has tapered off. So, If uh, you were concerned about the snowfall, probably, probably you've managed to survive this latest salvo <laughs> from the weather machine. Right now it's 32 in downtown Binghamton. Here's the official forecast from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, still a chance of a little more snow, maybe some snow showers this afternoon. No substantial additional accumulation, likely high 33. Mostly cloudy tonight, a slight chance of snow showers in the evening. Low 26, mostly cloudy tomorrow, high 36. Oh, and then Wednesday. Actually, Wednesday looks worse than this storm was, just in case you want to know. Snow likely in the morning, then snow possibly mixed with rain and freezing rain in the afternoon, then rain and snow when you're trying to somehow get home on Wednesday, late afternoon and evening, high 35. So that's uh, the upshot. Winter weather is back. Back. What else is going on? Uh, so far today, they have found no additional confidential and secret documents. No additional confidential documents have been located at <laughs> at Mar-a-Lago or any of other Donald Trump's <laughs> locations. But don't worry, they're looking Donald Trump. I don't have many more confidential documents that I know about. It's 9.56. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. First. WNBF. 9.58. We go to Tom in Endwell. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Um... So I was just wondering, here if they found any more uh, documents of Biden over the weekend? Oh, I'm more concerned about what Trump has, because I, oh. I think I think there's an indication that that Trump took a lot of documents after he left the White House. Right, but I mean, really, if if you took them, whether you took 
100 of them or whether you took 50 of them, I mean, at the end of the day, you still took them, right? I mean, I, I don't understand. Well, don't understand. It, it makes no difference for Joe Biden. He's president, so he has access to everything. As president, look, he's president for another almost two years, so it's fine. He he has full access. Once you become a former president, you better not have any old documents. But right now, he's president, so he's entitled to anything, anything that is the property of the federal government. That's just, I, I'm not sure that it's a good idea, but that's the way it is. On Monday, January 23rd, 2023, President of the United States is entitled to any and all documents owned and operated by the federal government. Bob Joseph, WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Monday, January 23rd. You're listening to WNBF. For the second time in less than a week, a restaurant that's been a fixture in Binghamton is ceasing operations. Curry's of India at 45 Court Street on Friday was serving its final weekday takeout lunches with only a few items available. A co-owner of the restaurant declined to discuss the decision to close in detail, but she indicated she's retiring after operating the establishment for nearly 35 years. The small restaurant had served Indian cuisine to downtown workers and shoppers. Like many similar businesses, it experienced major challenges in the early months of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. According to archived news accounts, the husband and wife who operated the restaurant came to the United States from India in 1977. They launched Curries of India on Court Street after they operated another restaurant on Front Street for a couple of years. Signs in the windows of Curries of India on Friday indicated everything in the restaurant was for sale, including equipment and items of art that lined its walls. The Office of New York State Attorney General Letitia James is reviewing the circumstances surrounding the arrest of Hamel Waddle by Binghamton Police. Waddle was injured when police officers took him into custody around 3.20 a.m. New Year's Day. The incident happened near the intersection of State and Hawley Streets, just steps from City Police Headquarters. Cell phone video shot by people at the scene shows a Binghamton police officer with a knee on Waddle's neck. Mayor Jared Cram on Friday morning released a statement indicating City Police officials have been in contact with the State Attorney General's office regarding the incident. According to Cram, the office has requested records related to Waddle's arrest and a complaint he filed on January 2nd. The mayor said he hopes the review by the attorney general's office will result in additional bystander video footage of the arrest being made available to assist in determining the facts. Cram also wrote, we are committed to following the facts as the internal investigation remains open and to protecting the integrity of the fact-finding process while addressing the Office of Attorney General's request. The focus of the investigation will be on the actions of a Binghamton police officer who has been with the department for 19 years. He was placed on desk duty while the incident is being reviewed. Dara Silberstein, Waddle's attorney on Friday, declined to comment on her client's case, but in an email, she welcomed the attorney general's office involvement in looking into what appears to be egregious actions of the BPD. She wrote that there is enough evidence in the public domain that shows the officer kneeling on Mr. Waddle's neck and other officers failing to intervene. If true, then we hope that appropriate actions will be taken against the offending officers. The attorney general's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment on its investigation. Some New York residents who have fallen behind on energy and heating bills received some good news this week. Their debts are being forgiven. An estimated 478,000 residential customers and 56,000 small businesses will have their energy and heating debts forgiven under a new plan enacted by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul on Thursday. 
In a press release on Thursday, Governor Hochul stated every New Yorker deserves affordable energy, yet too many New Yorkers are at risk of having their lights turned off due to financial problems caused by the pandemic. Earlier this month, I laid out extensive proposals to make energy more affordable in my State of the State address. And with this historic electric and gas utility relief, we're achieving another major milestone to help New Yorkers stay warm during the cold winter months. In total, New York State residents will be receiving $672 million in assistance to pay off their past due electric and heating bills. As a part of the press release, Governor Hochul announced an additional $200 million in available relief for New Yorkers who make under $75,000 a year but have not been eligible for previous heating and electric discount programs. In Broome County Court, Jamie Crowley, age 46, of Windsor, was sentenced to seven years in New York State Prison with five years of post-release supervision. In November, Crowley was found guilty by a Broome County jury of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, menacing in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and criminal possession of a firearm. The charges related to a July 3, 2021 incident at Crowley's residence on Cascade Valley Road in Windsor. Broome County Sheriff's deputies investigating a report of a firearm being discharged shot Crowley after he pointed a firearm at them. Crowley sustained a non-life-threatening gunshot wound to his shoulder. A search of his residence uncovered several more illegal firearms. Michael A. Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, stated this is the consequence of pointing a firearm at law enforcement. Mr. Crowley is lucky to be alive. The deputy acted lawfully and in conformity with the, poli- with the policies and procedures of the Broome County Sheriff's Office. We will continue to support the brave men and women of law enforcement who respond to dangerous situations daily and prosecute those who possess firearms illegally. New York City is temporarily turning a cruise ship terminal into a shelter and services hub for asylum seekers. Mayor Eric Adams announced the plan Saturday. It's the latest in a series of facilities the city has set up and sometimes shut down as it strains to handle an ongoing influx. The city says the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal will have room, food, medical care, and other services for 1,000 single men. Its first occupants will move from another relief center at a hotel, which will switch to accommodating asylum-seeking families with children. Adams says since last spring, 41,000 asylum seekers have come to the city sometimes on buses sent by out-of-state governors. Democratic lawmakers in a handful of states are trying to send a message two years after the violent attack on the U.S. Capitol. Their message is that those people who engaged in an attempt to overthrow of the government shouldn't be allowed to run it. New York, Connecticut, and Virginia are among states where proposed legislation would prohibit anyone convicted of participating in an insurrection from holding public office or a position of public trust, such as becoming a police officer. While the bills vary in scope, their aim is similar. Many Republicans refused to see the attempt to violently halt the congressional certification of the 2020 presidential vote as an insurrection. And President Joe Biden persuaded Democrats in Congress to provide hundreds of billions to fight climate change. Now comes another formidable task, enticing Americans to buy millions of electric cars, heat pumps, solar panels, and more efficient appliances. Biden faces a public relations challenge that could determine whether the country achieves his ambitious goal to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. One analyst says the battle will be waged one household at a time. Officials hope consumers will respond to tax credits and rebates when they make purchasing decisions if they are aware of them. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, snow mainly before 1 p.m., then a chance of snow showers after 2 p.m., a high near 34 degrees, 90% chance of snow. Tonight, a slight chance of snow showers between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 36. Tomorrow night, cloudy 
with a low near 22. And Wednesday, snow likely before 2 p.m., then rain and snow, possibly mixed with freezing rain. A high near 35 degrees, 100% chance of snow. Wednesday night, rain and snow becoming all rain after 11 p.m. A low near 33 degrees, chance of rain 100%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Happy January, America, and happy January to the people of upstate America in particular. It's another beautiful Monday with News Radio WNBF. Don't fall asleep in the snow, come up, up, up from below, wipe the sleep from your eyes. Oh my, my, shake the dust off your hands and come run free on this land if you want to survive. It is a brand new day and a brand new week. Bob Joseph serving you and everyone on the radio at News Radio WNBF 921 FM 1290 AM streaming at WNBF.com. You can always be connected using the WNBF app. Convenient and best of all, absolutely free. You can obtain it at your favorite app store. And George Santos, how many lies has he told today? Unfortunately, the lieometer has been taken offline. Lieometer.com. Apparently, it, it just is not set up to actually handle that kind of volume of fabrication and imagination. But... George Santos, I have to say, she looks, eh, you know, eh, eh. So it is, I guess, probably fitting that that district on Long Island has uh, a very special congressperson. So that that is good. As far as the uh, ability to tell the truth, well, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, just... Just because he told some white lies doesn't mean he'll never tell the truth. That's, that is the biggest challenge, I guess, going forward with George Santos, if that indeed is the name he's going to be using <laughs> for the rest of this year. But, um, you know, it's fascinating from a news standpoint. I did check out his official website. For the House of Representatives, this website put together by you, or paid for by you, the American people. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to see his official bio on his official website from the House of Representatives? So I won't bore you with reading the whole thing, but let's take a couple of bits and pieces. 
with the understanding that some, if not all of this, may in fact be totally bogus. But this is, at the moment, at 10.15 a.m., this is what it says on the George Santos official congressional website for the 3rd District of New York. George Santos is the son of immigrants who was born and raised in Jackson Heights, Queens. Both his mother and father are immigrants to the United States from Brazil. They came to the U.S. in search of the American dream. Today, George lives that dream based on the foundations of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm reading verbatim from his congressional website. You could see for yourself until they change it. I don't know that there's any requirement for members of, of Congress to tell the truth about themselves on their website. I imagine there's a carve-out where members of Congress actually don't need to tell the truth because they're <laughs> special. Let's continue. I'll read just a little bit more for your edification so you don't have to go to the trouble of finding his website on your own and getting your phone tainted with that as part of its history. George's drive, commitment, and determination were inspired by the legacy set by his parents. Through hard work, tenacity, and determination, they both delivered a very different life to George and his sister, allowing them the opportunity to fight for their dreams. As the son of immigrants, George understands the strength that comes from New York 3, that's the district, New York's third district, the district's diversity. As the first non-incumbent, openly gay Republican elected to Congress, he knows how important it is for every community to have a voice. He will be a voice for every community in the district. So based on those three paragraphs, if we knew nothing else at all about George Santos, if he was just another new member of the House of Representatives based on the bio on his website, you would say, yeah, good for him. I would say even some Democrats might say good for him, even if you didn't vote for him in the 3rd Congressional District. You might say, well, well I'm typically a person who votes Democrat, but good for him based on what, who he says he is. So let me see what else. I'll uh, just read the final paragraph again. This is the George Santos bio, so take it for what it's worth. It, in fact, may be 100% true, or it may, in fact, be just the opposite. This is the final paragraph on his official biography on the House website. For too long, for far too long, politicians have been elected only to let down their constituents by caving to political pressures. George is committed to standing strong and fighting every single day to improve the quality of life for everyone in New York's 3rd Congressional District and beyond. And again, if you took it all at face value, if you hadn't paid attention to the news over the last several weeks, you'd say, gosh, George Santos actually seems like maybe what the House needs. Sadly, though, the New York Times intervened to point out some <clears throat> discrepancies. Interestingly, the New York Times, although they were 
um, a few weeks late and a dollar short to the story. It's, it's a story that certainly would have been more relevant before Election Day, but they eventually got around to it. You know, the people who really let down the, the residents of the 3rd Congressional District, Long Island's once powerful newspaper called Newsday. Newsday should have had this story. Newsday should have vetted this congressional candidate so people in his district would have known his penchant for prevarication before they went to vote. So now Newsday, which is a shadow of its former self, you know, they won't talk much about it because I'm sure the people, including the owners, the publishers of Long Island Newsday, they must be ashamed that they missed a very, very critical story. And it ultimately was up to the New York Times to latch on to this again. Sadly, too late to be helpful to people voting in last November's election, but we'll see what happens. Who knows? I still say, you know, after he gets through this rough patch, George Santos may in fact be one of the leading candidates for the Republican nomination for president next year. It's 1020. We live in strange times, folks. As Bachman Turner Overdrive saying last hour, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's 1020. Coming up next, we'll talk live with SUNY Brooms President Kevin Drum. That's next on our Monday program on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Ten twenty-three. This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. We welcome back to the studio SUNY Broom President Kevin Drum. Doctor Drum, good to see you. Happy New Year. Good morning, Bob. Happy New Year to you and everybody. So, anything happening? <laughs> <laughs> More than usual. Yes. More than usual. Yes. Yeah. We we announced my my pending retirement uh, a few months ago and. So working toward that, and you know, there'll be a search for my uh, successor. And of course, we have uh, a lot more going on with the university, although not as much as people think. So an awful lot going on. Well, and let's talk about that first of all, because of course that's been in the news the most in recent weeks. Is what may ultimately happen involving SUNY Broome Community College and Binghamton University. Give us, give us an overview first of all. How did all this happen? Were you uh, having coffee with Harvey Stanger one day, and and you said, "Well, you know," or maybe he said, "Well, you know." I mean, tell me how this this all got started. Well, that's kind of how it got started a few years ago. It was just a conversation over coffee, you know, during a time when the particularly community college presidents were talking about uh, various governance models that exist across the country, and we have one. Uh, with with SUNY and and local boards for the county community colleges and county sponsorship and that's not an unusual model around the country except for also being part of the state system it makes SUNY unique as, as I think you know and, and most people who know SUNY understand uh, so yeah we're just having talking amongst the presidents about different governance models and the notion of a two-year college being closely affiliated with a university is not uncommon around the country it's a pretty common model and you look at the University of Penn, uh, Penn State right south of us they have several two-year campuses so we were just talking about a whole bunch of models and so it, it was discussed and uh, and then when uh, when I announced my retirement the you know the uh, 
discussion came up again. It's, it's typically a good time when you're changing leadership to talk about doing business maybe a little differently. We already have our uh, joint admissions program with them. And the whole idea was to expand that, uh, you know, because, you know, they have to sadly say no to, I don't know, 20, 25,000 people. And we're a way that if we could formalize that would allow them not to have to say no to all of them. So with that being said, uh, where do things stand right now? There have been some news stories and people, some people have weighed in on some perhaps strongly support it, some maybe not so much, but where do things stand at the moment here as we uh, are in late January 2023? Yeah, the first step is to uh, grow our joint admissions uh, program. Uh, one of the things we'd like to do to help the local economy, because we have a job shortage like everybody else, is to try to get more of our local, uh, particularly local high school uh, students, uh, to think about uh, you know landing at the university and and using you know SUNY Broom as the primary uh, channel to uh, to get there. Yeah, as you probably know, the majority of their applicants you know don't come from the immediate area, uh, so we'd like to improve that pipeline because we desperately need our, our best minds to stay in the area if, if they have a mind to do that uh, like our son who's got a great job here and uh, and we'd like to have more folks uh, locally you know come through that pipeline so we want to build that pipeline to, to get more of our best and brightest to, to, to come here who might not quite make the grade to get into the university uh, so we're, we're going to work on that uh, pipeline as well as right now the students who are jointly admitted actually live at the university uh, we have about 175 this year. We've had as many as 225 in, in some years. Uh, but we have, thanks to COVID, we have room in our residence hall. So now we're going to start making offers to folks who will have the option to live in our residence hall. Before COVID, we always had a waiting list. Uh, now we don't. So going forward, as we look towards... Uh, the rest of this year, what do you anticipate will happen if there is um, a serious exploration of, of the concept, both from the, the standpoint of SUNY Broome, from Binghamton University's standpoint, and also um, from the leadership with State University of New York, along with the new chancellor, John King, what, what sort of things do you think will be happening over the next several months? Uh, well, the, the main thing is more collaboration between our two admissions offices uh, to reach out to that uh, slice of applicants, you know, to the university who, who are already local or to try to increase that applicant pool that is, is local to, uh, to hopefully funnel them on to such a great uh, you know, public university as it is. Tremendous uh, opportunity for folks, both financially and academically, as I'm sure you know. Uh, so uh, our admissions office will be uh, working more closely together even than it, than it, and marketing it, than it has uh, before with the university's admissions and marketing. Uh, and we, you know, we'll continue conversations on you know, closer collaborations with other departments. We, you know, we've talked about our IT department. Problem is we're both, like the whole world, short of IT staff. So it's a little difficult to, to think about how to do that when we both have a number of, you know, of openings right now. If we can you know, shore those up, that's an area. Obviously, a lot of back office computer stuff can be done from anywhere in the world these days. It uh, doesn't all have to be done on one particular campus. So there's some opportunities there. Uh, and uh, you know, further opportunity with student life you know, is another 
uh, area. Because obviously they have a lot more facilities over there and a lot more staff, uh, you know, to run student life uh, programs. Athletics would always be separate, but uh, they have to be. And and the actual formal governance would have to be separate. That's all required by accreditation and state ed law and all that sort of thing. So um, the the uh, uh, you know the talks of any, any kind of merger just aren't realistic so that, that you know it's unfortunate that that, that got out in the news but uh, so just more collaboration and SUNY's been talking about shared services forever ever since the Great Recession and we're just taking that conversation you know very seriously and, and to a whole new level between a community college and a, and a local you know state operated uh, operated research university so at some point in the future maybe not the near-term future but somewhere longer term down the road is there any possibility of what most people would consider to be a merger of the two, the two remote, separate schools? it's a remote possibility but it isn't likely it's not necessary to achieve what we'd like to achieve there are models around the country that don't operate uh, under a, a merger but that would be a heavy lift be you know changing the laws in, in albany to do that would be substantial and uh, might not ever happen if anybody was even interested in that at some point down the road have you yet had a uh, direct conversation with Chancellor John King about oh, yes. about this since oh, he, yes. he took charge? Of course, he was in town um, a few days ago. I, I met with him and President Stanger when, when he was in town to talk primarily about the, the concept of closer collaboration you know, between our two institutions. And it also could provide a model for other institutions you know, within SUNY if, if both institutions are of a like mind. That's how this all started, with two institutions of a like mind. So is that conversation generally positive? It was generally positive. Yep. So... Do you expect any formal announcements anytime Other in, than, in coming no, no, weeks or months no. beyond what we've been discussing? No, not not is in the foreseeable future. While you know, during my tenure, most likely, since I'll you know be done sometime this year with my retirement coming. And let's talk about that. So it has been a while since you've been here in the studio. So in the intervening time, you did announced your intention to retire in 2023 and and for those not familiar maybe uh it would be appropriate to talk about your background including your background in education before you came to to suny broom in case people weren't aware that you did have a life before you came to broom county <laughs> yes i was i was not in the witness protection program uh, although some <laughs> college presidents would like to be uh, yeah, I'm finishing up my 13th year this month as uh, president of SUNY Broom. That's about twice the national average for a community college president. The average is something less than six years for your typical community college president. So, uh, you know, pretty proud of that. And we've, we've got a lot accomplished, uh, you know, in the last uh, 13 years. And before that, I was president out west, as you know, and you know, for a small uh, two two college community college district in beautiful north central Wyoming. We we loved it out there. Moved back here to get closer to family and friends who are all here in the in the northeast long way from small town in wyoming with a tiny little airport <laughs> like this one to fly back and forth across the country is pretty tough so uh with a young son i wanted to get him back closer to his aunts uncles and cousins and and, and what have you and that's worked out phenomenally well and uh so uh b before that i was vice president in massachusetts in the system that i actually you know came up through the community college system in massachusetts but not at my alma mater 
another vice presidency before that, and then early years of my career in uh, uh, student services, on, on the ground in student services and residential life and student activities and that sort of thing. A lot of teaching along the way, but I was never a full-time professor. I was adjunct almost all of my career until early in my first presidency, and then it just, life got too busy. When you came to SUNY Broome, did, how long did you expect to serve as president? As you mentioned, it's it's not uncommon for community college presidents to stay in, in one place for several years, but, but certainly not not for a long time. So what what was your expectation when you arrived in Broome County? Did you have an expectation? I did. We, you know, because our son was eight, eight and a half, the hope was that we would stay 10 years. Uh, so he would get through school here and we wouldn't uproot him again. Hey, he was two and a half when we moved out west from Massachusetts. So, you know, that was not traumatic in, in, in any way. And, you know, for a young boy growing up in a beautiful mountain state like Wyoming was not a bad thing until he was eight and a half. And then it was a wonderful thing to get him back to the Northeast, you know, close to, to his family, his, his cousins and aunts and uncles. Uh, so that the 10 years, he, he, he was exactly, he was eight and a half and we wanted to get him through high school was, was the goal. So I'm, you know, I'm three years uh, past that. Well, I mean, COVID had a little bit to, you know, to do with that and also has a little bit to do with my decision to retire now. Well, and tell me about that decision. Uh, give me um, just kind of an overview of, of the thought process that, that ultimately went into making public your, your decision to retire this year. Yeah, I mean, I might have uh, done one more job at something. Uh, quite frankly, you know, uh, had COVID not hit, uh, you know, many presidents are working into their seventies. I'm I'm not quite seventy, and I'm I'm only semi-retiring. I cannot retire. Uh, that that's not going to happen. I've been working pretty much between school and work part time, or vice versa. I've been working full time since I was twelve years old. So I don't know what else to do. And so I'll I'll be doing other things in uh, in semi retirement when we're done. But uh, I, I might have done one more gig, you know, somewhere. But then there was the talk of COVID, and then there was COVID, and COVID lasted two years. I, I didn't want to announce, which a lot of people did, obviously, left their jobs in the middle of COVID. I I didn't want to do that because I thought it would be really challenging to find another president in the middle of COVID. So that was two more years. Uh, and then the year to announce and search for a president. Now you're into the 13th year. And that's kind of how it uh, kind of how it happened. Um, and thanks, thanks to COVID, changed a lot of people's lives. And it, it probably changed mine. I mean, if COVID, if, if COVID hadn't come, would I have, you know, searched for another presidency or something else, but, you know, on a full-time basis, maybe? Because 10 years is a long time for a college president these days. Um, and uh, I think at the, uh, on the left coast, the average time for a community college president is something like three years. I think, so they keep the national average down. But Do you intend to stay in the area? We are staying in the area. My wife's got a business, and she's not ready to uh, close up her or retire from, you know, from her business. And this is our son's home. So we're not going anywhere anytime soon. And for my next um, phase of life, you know, one of the irons I have in the fire, this will be a perfect location. So. And tell me a little bit about that. Well, if I like, you know, so many people uh, like myself, if I go into the college consulting business, one of the th wonderful things about this area that I didn't know when I moved here, knew a lot about it, but I didn't realize where I'm f five hours or less from every college and university in the Northeast in a car. 
so lots of opportunity, whether I was going to do a temporary president, interim presidency or consulting with, with college and universities or what have you, I'm in the perfect geographic location, dead center of the Northeast, and it's, it's ideal. And skiing opportunities, too. Skiing. Always just a few hours away. <laughs> oh, we ski and snowmobile all the time. So it's been a little tough this year, but now we're getting there. And, hey, winter isn't over. Winter still has another two months to run, and we've, we've seen some, shall we say, decent uh, skiable snow yes. in, in the months of, of March or even early April. So you can't judge a winter by the first four to six weeks anymore nope talking with a suny broom president kevin drum looking back now what what do you think might be the singular biggest accomplishment that has happened at suny broom since you became president can you point to one or a couple well it would depend on you know how you look at it if you look at the uh, the impact on the community as a whole, on the region, and you know, all colleges and universities are looked at as economic development today. Uh, really, w one of the things that was was not easy, again, heavy, you know, fairly fairly heavy lift, um, was you know uh, moving the IDA and the chamber to the to the campus, and also to fulfill the vision of kind of mushing them together, sort of like we're looking at Binghamton University and and SUNY Broom. They're not merged. Uh, but they do have one, uh, you know, CEO, two separate uh, budgets, two separate governance structures, and two separate boards. But uh, it, it, to kind of get synergy, uh, you know, between those two and have a one-stop economic development location in the county, uh, you know, that was uh, out of the box and a little creative and, and working with Kevin McLaughlin and a lot of other people. And we've got an awesome, uh, you know, uh, CEO now of the Leadership Alliance, it's, you know, it, it's called. And I think, you know, it's really helped uh, our economic development in, in the area. And so as far as the impact on the community, I would say that. Uh, the other, you know, the, uh, the biggest challenge I faced when I came was that the campus was crumbling. <laughs> Um, as You're another, talking about the actual physical, the actual the physical campus, the actual physical infrastructure. Awesome academics, as we still have. Uh, you know, I think we've added a dozen new programs, and of course, that's the core of what we do. And um, I'm happy, you know, happy about all, all all of that. But that was not something which some community college presidents, when they take over, have to fix some of that. I didn't have to fix it. It was all, already very strong a academic programs. Uh, so support that and don't screw it up was, the, you know, was the was the key thing, you know, first do no harm and, uh, you know, tr tremendous faculty and staff there and, and not and tr try, especially in the middle of the Great Recession. <laughs> and now and then the COVID, you know, not, not to screw that up, uh, you know, becoming residential and changing the name, which we did concurrently and changing the name from Broom Community College to SUNY Broom and becoming residential at the same time, which was all orchestrated uh, to to be together. Uh, I think it's probably the other thing to become a residential campus really does change things uh, when you've strictly been a commuter campus for 65 years. Well, and, and speaking of that, with the construction of, of that building, and at one point I know we had conversations that there was even discussion of maybe a second, so that that had uh, a big impact on, on the campus and, and also um, attracting people from outside the area. But of course, with that came some new challenges too. That it, they, the addition of uh, the residential component in the town of Dickinson, as as they would say, was was not without some we could call them challenges or problems. 
Yeah, the, the residential programs, uh, you know, bring with them a whole new set of, of positives. It, it opened up our access mission to students who otherwise wouldn't have access to uh, to SUNY Broomer, at least not good access, because living in town when you're a freshman and commuting, if you're not home, not the best arrangement in the world. Too many distractions. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, we advanced our access mission, which is the core of what every uh, community college mission is. Uh, so that, that was a plus, but it does bring challenges 24-7, which otherwise a community college doesn't face. Right. Yeah. And security challenges. There are a few issues that made the news, and certainly as a university president or a community college president, you don't want those headlines. On the other hand, and as we talked about when things happen, there's, it's, I think, any educational institution, whether it's community college, public schools, high schools, or universities, the problems are, are reflecting a lot of everything, in fact, almost everything that's going on in society at large anyway. Absolutely. And, and we're, as a whole, a microcosm of the community. And, you know, the community has its challenges, and we have folks who do, you know, present challenges out in the community, but they aren't necessarily seen as, as a college student or a member of the staff. Uh, but it, it most until you become residential, those issues happen out in the community and are tend to be associated with the with the community. Uh, once you're residential, then that's the home for those students. You know, eight months a year, eight and a half months a year, and then it's a it, it's a little different in the it, for as far as the, how the public views it. And there are always issues when you have uh, resident, student, young you know resident folks uh, running around on every campus. Well, I have to say that. Just say, generally speaking, the age period 18 to 25 can be a challenging time, regardless of where you're living or what your circumstances are. Yeah, it certainly can. And, but that's part of our job. And on the student development side of things, which is what I did for the first 10 years of my career, is to try to you know, help provide some guidance for those students, you know, and they're growing up and they're maturing and developing their, their professional persona or their career persona outside of the classroom. And that's what I did for 10 years in the actually first decade of, of my career and loved every bit of that, in part because I got to do it 24-7 on residential campuses. I got to do it a lot more uh, than other folks who are only on campus from 8 to 5. Do you foresee any over the... Not necessarily short term, but longer term. Do you foresee any changes in in how the um, the residence hall, how that that building ultimately is used? Will there be possible changes in in how that uh, actually it's, is? It's certainly very possible if in the post COVID era we aren't able to fill it up. You know, and that's an issue again all across the the state. It's an issue all across the country. If you've been following the headlines, you know, unfortunately, one private school, small private school after another, you know, shutting down. You know, it's never going to happen with us. Not even remote possibility. But uh, but everybody's short of students uh, because there are just fewer teenagers in the United States today. Far fewer, certainly, than there were when I was a teenager in the middle of the baby boom. And, uh, that's just a reality of the pipeline of teenagers coming up through is shrinking and showing no signs of growth anytime soon. So realistically, I mean, is there space available now? There is space available now. We have, we have empty rooms right now. Well, how many? What percentage would you think? Oh, we're about two-thirds uh, in the fall. We're about two-thirds full. 
That's right. it. Yeah, and, and before COVID, we always had a wait list. So at this point, is there any immediate talk of, of developing alternate plans to use the third or so of the space that, we have that is a, available? We have a plan in place. We'll see what happens uh, in growing this joint admissions program with the university. Uh, ideally, we, we would fill it up with students on that in that um, pipeline, that sort of one-off pipeline headed to the university uh, in, in their second year. Um, we have many that go in their third year. Um, the, the program we currently have, most of them move over in their second year. Uh, so we, we're hoping to uh, fill that hole uh, with that with that pipeline, and, and as well as you know, as as post-COVID whatever that's going to be continues to happen we'll see if some of the the natural market you know will help us with you back to having some growth you know in that area you know enrollment's pretty flat this year down about one and a half percent uh so nothing like the covid years when we were down double digits uh so hopefully as we come into this coming fall we'll see some natural growth as well as growth with our joint admissions program with the university and uh, hopefully that will fill it up and maybe even put us in a waiting list situation again. So at the moment, the building is still being used exclusively for students. Yes, it is. It's nine, uh, 1046, we're talking with uh, Kevin Drum, president of SUNY Broome Community College. How are things going with the ICE Center? I haven't heard much about the ICE Center recently. Yeah, since we sadly lost hockey, one of the saddest days of my time here. Uh, and uh, having you know grown up surrounded, but never a skater myself, but growing up surrounded by great hockey and uh, it, it, it's very busy. Uh, in fact, I was at a high school game, <laughs> Forks Valley High School <laughs> hockey game last night. The game started at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night because ice time is, is so busy, you got to take the time that you can get. So it's, a, it's still an extremely busy uh, facility uh, on campus with everyone in the community and, and the university using it for their, for their club team and so on and so forth. So very very busy. Everything going well from a facility standpoint? I know a few years ago there were there's some issues that, that had to be addressed, at least temporarily. Well, we had one of the chillers go down. Yes. Uh, that's, you know, that's been replaced. You know, we still have great ice. Uh, folks love to skate on it. It's the best ice in the region. I don't know the difference between good ice and not so good ice because as I said, as I said I'm not a skater. But everybody loves our ice and it's, and it's coveted by, uh, particularly by hockey teams uh, for however it's made and as firm as it is i guess and uh how it uh, holds up when they're skating and sliding around and slamming into each other um, so we haven't had any uh you know major facilities although when we lost power thanksgiving evening uh we had <laughs> thankfully we got a generator in there in a hurry is in 24 hours you can you can lose all the ice and have to start all over again and we didn't we were able to get a generator on it and and, and get it going and, and we didn't lose any any ice even though we were without power for almost 24 hours starting well, that brings up an evening. interesting <laughs> issue over the last few years there have been more than a few uh, power related episodes that have affected the campus and the town of dickinson have, have some of those issues been addressed well most of them were not ours right you know, most of them are nice egg or it just so happened whatever. that it just it so was, happened. was not uncommon yeah to, it hasn't as, been it used to be geez every few months we were having an outage that we had nothing to do with and just had to live through it sometimes all the way up to my house 10 miles north uh but no, this one was ours. Unfortunately, a mouse got into something and shorted out the, you know, the electric, big electrical circuit on the on the campus. So that one was ours. It does happen every now and then. We had one not too long after I got here when a chipmunk got in and did the similar thing like 13 years ago, right? A year after I arrived, 12 years ago, right after I arrived, 
but we were able to get it fixed in a, in a little less than 24 hours, and it was fine. But that that one was was our responsibility. It, it will it will happen on occasion. In terms of the financial picture now mm-hmm. for SUNY Broom, where does it stand? I mean, given given what's happened over especially the this COVID period over the last three years, and where where do things stand today? Yeah, like most colleges particularly community colleges since we got hit the most through covid uh community college enrollment got hammered nationwide and, uh and we're as i said we're just back up to almost even um and uh we're we're filling about a six percent gap you know at this point uh, with uh cutbacks and, and federal money uh, you know, at this point, we're slowly working our way to wean ourselves, uh, you know, off of that over this year and next. That's the, that's the plan. So, what steps need to be taken? Anything that are going to affect operations or or staffing? Uh, not at this point. No. What, what what we're doing is looking at every time we have an opening, as we have openings now, whether we're going to fill it or not. Although we started that in the Great Recession when I got here, so unfortunately, we've been doing you know far too much of that. Um, and then even during the growth of uh, of the uh, of the economy over the last decade, that always hurts community college enrollment. So it's it's been a struggle pretty much since, since I got here. But we've always managed, and we're one of the few that hasn't had uh, layoffs, or you know we haven't closed academic programs for other than academic reasons, uh, or if enrollment just goes down all by itself, uh, we, we've actually fared you know quite well compared to most of the other colleges of uh, community colleges or many of the other community colleges in the northeast if you've been following the headlines yeah. well about how many funded positions remain open at this point or oh, remain open yeah. well that depends on how you count funded well um you know we probably i mean all of our we, we we've shrunk across the board right you know we've shrunk our management uh we've you know we went from uh, four deans to two a few years ago um we have, uh, you know, our our maintenance and facilities staff is a little smaller now. Our middle management, our you know, number of uh, faculties. Well, obviously, we're hiring a lot less adjuncts these days because there's fewer students and fewer classes. Um, so we're, oh gosh, we're probably a hundred fewer people than we were before COVID. Total, part time and full time. How is morale? I was better this year. It was tough the last. It was tough yeah. the last two years. Are there still um, challenges? A lot well, absolutely. Of, a lot of places. Absolutely. I mean, whether whether it's in uh, educational, government, private sector, a lot of places are, as they say, dealing with morale issues. Trying it's, to keep it's, people. It's definitely happy. a challenge because we're lean, uh, and you like to be able to you know to provide the, the you know top level of of services. And we you know it's a it's a stretch for the the people we have left to provide continue to provide the top level of services. So morale was you know was really tough through through COVID and then in the middle of COVID, we started union negotiations and all that, so that didn't help, but those are all settled and that helps morale a lot. So at this point, here we are at the end of, near the end of January, it seems you don't know exactly when you're going to wrap up your tenure as president. And you mentioned that it's uh, in large part det- going to be determined on, on the ability for uh, the board board. to find a successor right yeah i would say anytime between july 1 and december 31st whatever it happens since we're not going anywhere i'm not leaving the area and not you know not moving on to another full-time job or anything like that whenever they you know they find a good person uh then that's when it'll be well as they say on the radio stay tuned i fully expect to have you back on the program 
before you wrap up your time as president of SUNY Broome Community College. Thank you, Bob. I'll look forward to it. And thank you for joining us. It's 10.53 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Starts recording. News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com with Bob Joseph. A winter storm warning remains in effect until 1 o'clock this afternoon. National Weather Service says most of the snow that we were going to receive has already uh, come down. But there's still some slippery spaces around the region. Be careful if you're going to be out driving over the next few hours. Could still be some slick spots. And also be careful when you're out walking this morning and early this afternoon. Right now it's 33 in downtown Binghamton at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Joseph live on a Monday morning. Monday morning. This is WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Monday, January 23rd. You're listening to WNBF. For the second time in less than a week, a restaurant that's been a fixture in Binghamton is ceasing operations. Curry's of India at 45 Court Street on Friday was serving its final weekday takeout lunches with only a few items available. A co-owner of the restaurant declined to discuss the decision to close in detail, but she indicated she's retiring after operating the establishment for nearly 35 years. The small restaurant had served Indian cuisine to downtown workers and shoppers. Like many similar businesses, it experienced major challenges in the early months of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. According to archived news accounts, the husband and wife who operated the restaurant came to the United States from India in 1977. They launched Curries of India on Court Street after they operated another restaurant on Front Street for a couple of years. Signs in the windows of Curries of India on Friday indicated everything in the restaurant was for sale, including equipment and items of art that lined its walls. The Office of New York State Attorney General Letitia James is reviewing the circumstances surrounding the arrest of Hamel Waddle by Binghamton Police. Waddle was injured when police officers took him into custody around 3.20 a.m. New Year's Day. The incident happened near the intersection of State and Hawley Streets, just steps from city police headquarters. Cell phone video shot by people at the scene shows a Binghamton police officer with a knee on Waddle's neck. Mayor Jared Cram on Friday morning released a statement indicating city police officials have been in contact with the state attorney general's office regarding the incident. According to Cram, the office has requested records related to Waddle's arrest and a complaint he filed on January 2nd. The mayor said he hopes the review by the attorney general's office will result in additional bystander video footage of the arrest being made available to assist in determining the facts. Cram also wrote, we are committed to following the facts as the internal investigation remains open and to protecting the integrity of the fact-finding process while addressing the Office of Attorney General's request. The focus of the investigation will be on the actions of a Binghamton police officer who has been with the department for 19 years, 
He was placed on desk duty while the incident is being reviewed. Dara Silberstein, Waddle's attorney on Friday, declined to comment on her client's case, but in an email, she welcomed the attorney general's office involvement in looking into what appears to be egregious actions of the BPD. She wrote that there is enough evidence in the public domain that shows the officer kneeling on Mr. Waddle's neck and other officers failing to intervene. If true, then we hope that appropriate actions will be taken against the offending officers. The attorney general's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment on its investigation. Some New York residents who have fallen behind on energy and heating bills received some good news this week. Their debts are being forgiven. An estimated 478,000 residential customers and 56,000 small businesses will have their energy and heating debts forgiven under a new plan enacted by New York State Governor Kathy Hochul on Thursday. In a press release on Thursday, Governor Hochul stated every New Yorker deserves affordable energy, yet too many New Yorkers are at risk of having their lights turned off due to financial problems caused by the pandemic. Earlier this month, I laid out extensive proposals to make energy more affordable in my State of the State address. And with this historic electric and gas utility relief, we're achieving another major milestone to help New Yorkers stay warm during the cold winter months. In total, New York State residents will be receiving $672 million in assistance to pay off their past due electric and heating bills. As a part of the press release, Governor Hochul announced an additional $200 million in available relief for New Yorkers who make under $75,000 a year but have not been eligible for previous heating and electric discount programs. In Broome County Court, Jamie Crowley, age 46, of Windsor, was sentenced to seven years in New York State Prison with five years of post-release supervision. In November, Crowley was found guilty by a Broome County jury of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, menacing in the second degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and criminal possession of a firearm. The charges related to a July 3, 2021 incident at Crowley's residence on Cascade Valley Road in Windsor. Broome County Sheriff's deputies investigating a report of a firearm being discharged shot Crowley after he pointed a firearm at them. Crowley sustained a non-life-threatening gunshot wound to his shoulder. A search of his residence uncovered several more illegal firearms. Michael A. Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, stated this is the consequence of pointing a firearm at law enforcement. Mr. Crowley is lucky to be alive. The deputy acted lawfully and in conformity with the, poli- with the policies and procedures of the Broome County Sheriff's Office. We will continue to support the brave men and women of law enforcement who respond to dangerous situations daily and prosecute those who possess firearms illegally. New York City is temporarily turning a cruise ship terminal into a shelter and services hub for asylum seekers. Mayor Eric Adams announced the plan Saturday. It's the latest in a series of facilities the city has set up and sometimes shut down as it strains to handle an ongoing influx. The city says the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal will have room, food, medical care, and other services for 1,000 single men. Its first occupants will move from another relief center at a hotel, which will switch to accommodating asylum-seeking families with children. Adams says since last spring, 41,000 asylum seekers have come to the city sometimes on buses sent by out-of-state governors. Democratic lawmakers in a handful of states are trying to send a message two years after the violent attack on the U.S. Capitol. Their message is that those people who engaged in an attempt to overthrow of the government shouldn't be allowed to run it. New York, Connecticut, and Virginia are among states where proposed legislation would prohibit anyone convicted of participating in an insurrection from holding public office or a position of public trust 
such as becoming a police officer. While the bills vary in scope, their aim is similar. Many Republicans refuse to see the attempt to violently halt the congressional certification of the 2020 presidential vote as an insurrection. And President Joe Biden persuaded Democrats in Congress to provide hundreds of billions to fight climate change. Now comes another formidable task, enticing Americans to buy millions of electric cars, heat pumps, solar panels, and more efficient appliances. Biden faces a public relations challenge that could determine whether the country achieves his ambitious goal to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. One analyst says the battle will be waged one household at a time. Officials hope consumers will respond to tax credits and rebates when they make purchasing decisions if they are aware of them. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, snow mainly before 1 p.m., then a chance of snow showers after 2 p.m., a high near 34 degrees, 90% chance of snow. Tonight, a slight chance of snow showers between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high near 36. Tomorrow night, cloudy with a low near 22. And Wednesday, snow likely before 2 p.m., then rain and snow, possibly mixed with freezing rain, a high near 35 degrees, 100% chance of snow. Wednesday night, rain and snow becoming all rain after 11 p.m., a low near 33 degrees, chance of rain 100%. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Monday morning, this is Bob Joseph with you for another hour, taking your calls at 607-772-1290. Call in and share a thought or two on WNBF. See you blowing me a kiss, it doesn't take a scientist to understand what's going on, baby. If you see something in my eye that's not Welcome to a Monday. Hope your week is off to a delightful start. Mine is. It's always delightful when we have what is billed as a winter storm warning, and yet travel is uh, not too difficult. Not too difficult. Really, as far as I could see. I encountered no problems on my way in to the parlor city everything looked fine I had a chance to indeed take a few moments to enjoy the stellar beauty of recreation park on the west side as previously mentioned but looking around just driving driving around i could have spent probably a couple of hours just taking pictures and in videos of the beauty and I'm not a snow person. I used to be able to say I'm not a snowman. I'm not a snow person. And I I could probably... 
I could probably live a complete, fulfilled life without actually enduring any more snow. But I have to say, a morning like this actually is is special. And basically, it helps to reinforce what many of us who've lived in this area all our lives have said. There are four well-defined seasons here in upstate New York, and that's... One of the key reasons so many of us stay. Yeah, some people eventually do say, all right, the winter, enough. Especially what we had in December 2020. I acknowledge 40 or 44 inches of snow. That was more than adequate. And yet, fortunately, that type of snowfall in the Binghamton area doesn't happen very often. In fact, we may never, I hope we never see that type of heavy snow accumulation in Binghamton again. But if we do, well, we'll get through it. Let's face it, other areas of this country and other parts of the world have other weather problems, and, and in many cases far more severe than the issues that we face around here. It's 1115. Give us a call if you have thoughts about pretty much anything let's take a call right now good morning wnbf you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from ah missed you just like the rolling stones miss you yeah. if you uh, were cut off feel free to call in again because i want to hear what folks are thinking as we start a brand new week and i don't mind if I tell you, I really would like to have a lamb speedy sub for lunch. <laughs> I know, you're saying, well, you're two weeks too late, bub. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. Where are you calling from, and what's your first name? Yeah, good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal. Yeah, what's going on? Yes, sir. Hey, you know, you know, you know what makes it... You're talking about the snow there. I want to comment on that. What makes it so pretty, Bob, is when it's wet like that, it just outlines everything, every branch, every wire, everything. That's what makes it look so good. That's um, what I thought. I was looking at the Vestal Parkway this morning, and to be honest with you, sometimes I'm not the biggest fan of the Vestal Parkway, mainly because it's so popular. There's so much traffic mm -hmm. and congestion. I have to say, sections of the parkway today look positively delightful. Well, anything. You know, when you outline something, especially with white like that, it looks really nice. Um, I, I just wanted to mention, Bob, you know, <laughs> I heard you play on Monday, Monday a bit ago, uh, Mamas and the Papas, and, and I just wanted to call and tell you, it reminded me of, of what I watched last night, because I, like I, I always, every Sunday I try to catch the, uh, the Ed Sullivan, the old, the old videos, and uh, pretty darn good. What a lineup last night. They were one, Mamas and the Papas. Carpenters, Elvis, the Beatles, and you should and Smokey Robinson, Bob. And, I, and when you get a chance, I want you to look it up and see if you can hear it. See if you can hear the song being played because Smokey Robinson did a rendition of the Beatles yesterday. Really, it's beautiful. You got to hear it. Oh my goodness! I I can only imagine it. It sounds. Oh. It sounds fantastic in my mind, and I haven't even oh, heard it. 
Picture his voice and picture him slowing it down even more because it's not a fast song. But just just picture that, Bob. You got to look it up. Everyone should look that up and listen. Well, what a beautiful song. It, really nice. I will look it up, man. Yeah, look it up. I, I miss that Ed in. Sullivan. He he. I don't think he was necessarily the best TV host of all time, but there was just something about his demeanor of course before he had his sunday night show on cbs tv network he was a newspaper columnist so i don't believe he ever aspired to be on tv but the fact that he hosted that successful entertainment and variety show for so many years um and and with you know his trademark persona if somebody i will say this if somebody tried to pull that today it wouldn't fly but he was as it turned out, I think he was the right guy on the right show at the right time. He was. He didn't get overly excited. Very dry humor. He just, something about him, you're right, Bob. He, he was perfect for that show, but you're right. He would. <laughs> on the other hand, the way, the way it worked. could fly today is if, <laughs> if it were, you know, everybody was in on the joke, and I'm not saying somebody should come out and try to emulate Ed Sullivan and do an Ed Sullivan uh, shtick so they could be on uh, TV on Sunday nights. But say somebody had that sort of persona, and in this day and age with social media and Instagram and TikTok and every other platform, if everybody just thought, oh, look, that's, that's, it's, so, it's so weird as to be funny or great, that's how it could succeed. But certainly just ed sullivan with that sort of i don't even know how to describe it sort of deadpan presentation but still still unique and that's i think that's one of the things that made it so special really hey i agree bob don't forget yesterday by Smokey robin all right try to, try to try to hear that all right thank you thank you it's eleven twenty. bob joseph live on WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. I am live. I'm afraid we're live. Park. This is this is oh, you're at Rec Park. You by the way, thank you for uh sending some of those beautiful pictures of the park. Yeah. It is beautiful out here. Uh man, I don't know. There was just so there was a lady and her two daughters and and the little girl says, let's race. So I raced them. Of course, they won down the uh, hill and back of the baseball field. I got my flying saucer. You remember that? The purple one. You get it for like five bucks at the... And it's a blast out here, man. I Yeah, those pictures. And they were from out of my window in my bedroom and living oh. room that I sent you. And... Yeah, nice. Very nice. I was over there. I was there right about 8.50 this morning. I was cutting it close, as they say. Cutting it close, 8.45 or 8.50, I was walking through the snow, walking from the Beethoven Street side, walking past the carousel, and then going directly to the band shell, the bandstand. And, yeah, um, where Ralph played. Yeah, yes. And um, I, I wound up putting that uh, two-minute video on on Twitter. So when you have a chance, take a look at that because I I think it turned out nicely already. A lot of people, a lot of people have already know. viewed that video and one of the nice things was uh when I got over to the the bandstand to take a close up of the little plaque in the center. 
honoring Rod Serling and his. Where's that? Uh, it's right Where's in the that? center. By the Mary yeah. Center of what? Of the bandstand over there. The white bandstand. Oh, just Oh, the bandstand. Yeah. Have you never noticed right at the center? There's a, no. a plaque. It's it's probably about... In the ground? Right in the center of uh, right the concrete. Let me walk over. Yeah, walk over. Oh, it's in the concrete. Yeah, I'm walking over. Yeah, it's in the concrete. Yeah, and take a look at it. I, and that's that's what I wanted to end my video with. And there was a woman who was there, and she, I think, was admiring the snow and taking pictures. And so uh -huh. she wound, wound up in my video... Because she and, and she actually, I, I thank her because she, uh, after I shot the video, she offered to take a couple pictures of me. So I'm going going to, I think, use that one of the images that she took of me, uh, right there after I shot the video. I'll I'll use that as my new, my new Twitter photo because it shows me in the the snow at Rec Park, and I I thought that was kind of her to it. offer to take take the picture. Walking distance. You know, I swam in the baby pool here. We lived on, we moved from the south side, Grand Street, to a nice street. It was nice at the time, called Charlotte Street, but behind the price chopper. And man, I swam in the baby pool. The man Ralph played here. This dude said, hey, to his friend, you want one? He goes, yeah. He threw a full can of Genesee beer, and it, it hit me in the bridge of my nose. My mom had to take me to the pool house. I was, it was bleeding quite badly, but I was, you know, the Lord was with me because I had stopped bleeding, and we finished. Their name was Ralph. Do you remember that, Bob, in the early 70s? Yeah, what I also remember, because when this came up before, there was some kind of a riot. Let me see if I can find this now, because when they showed up at Rec Park, thousands, not hundreds, thousands of people showed up for the concert, and the cops shut it down. Do you remember oh, that? The remember cops, that. it no, got out of... No. So let me find it. Here it I is. It, it's 1972 in the paper. Look at this. Okay. It, it, it got out of control. 4,000. Here's a picture says um remember uh, there was a guy who used to call in the other talk show they called him bullwinkle john nazella he was no, he was a photographer i think he was freelance but some of his photos were used by the newspaper and he took a picture of ralph says on the rocks part of the crowd estimated at four thousand listens to rock music concert by ralph at rec park concert was halted by police after disturbances broke out. And that was I in the newspaper in 1972. <clears throat> Can you imagine the, the band Ralph playing for about 4,000 people right where you are right now? How can I see that, what you just read? What's that on? Uh, it's on a, a, a newspaper archive website. Oh, you have that newspaper archive, yeah. Yeah, you have That's to pay cool. for it, but I, I have to say... For the amount of oh, cost, it's it's fascinating. I I highly oh. recommend it if you're interested in in history, whether it's our our area or history elsewhere around the country or around the world. It's it's a relatively it's a relatively small price to pay to to look at at some of the the newspaper coverage from long ago. Hardly anybody's out here, Bob. It's kind of I sad. know. Well, well, yes and the no. Snow's wet. It's not cold. I know. No, it was beautiful. Not, I, it, yeah. I, I had to when I was there. The only, the only thing that kept me from spending more time there, I, I would have spent most of the morning there if I could. Right. But I, I had contractual yeah. obligations to be here. Yeah. So, I uh, as soon as, as soon as uh, my new friend took my. 
picture. She was a good photographer, too. She took three or four shots, so I'll, I'll select one to use as my profile picture on Twitter. And as, as soon as she did that, I said, hey, got to run, but uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. So anyway, I'm it was, check that it was out. Yeah, take a look. Take I'm a look at that some, out on the, the picture. Yeah. Well, the picture's not up yet, but the, the video's there. And I <clears> thought the video was even got a, a request from some national syndicated online news service. They wanted to use parts of that video. So that's that's how... That's how impressed they were. I don't know if they'll use it, but I, I told them if they want to use it, go right ahead. I, I'm not trying hey, I to. Sent you a picture too. I know wow, you. There's did. this man skiing. Did you get the one of the man skiing? He's right in front of me. He is skiing with skis and those holes. Right, he's in front of the merry-go-round right now. Yeah, I don't see that one, but I see the picture of George <laughs> F. Johnson. George F. Oh, Johnson. Yeah, Johnson. With, yeah, it's a beautiful photo beautiful. of the statue. And yeah, if I had had more time, I would have ventured over Hi. there. Nice shots. All right, tell everybody at Rec Park, Bob Joseph said hi. Bob said hi, Rec Park. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. 1127, Bob Joseph, live at News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF Binghamton serving Binghamton and the world from a beautiful studio located somewhere in Bangalore, India. <laughs> I know you're saying, come on, Bob, don't say that. That would never happen. Well, who knows? In this day and age, and certainly thanks to technology, there's no reason why the program can't actually emanate from Bangalore, India. It would probably be twice as good and cost half as much. <laughs> so stay tuned. In the meantime, for the moment, we are here live in Binghamton, New York. Let's take a call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob, Chris, I'm calling from Binghamton. Happy Monday to you. Likewise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I wish I could go sit at the park, but some of us got to work. Yeah, like that's that, that, that is the the truth for for so many people. You know, sitting around the park seems like a nice I option. Wish I, I wish I could wander through the park like the last caller, but we got responsibilities with what we call them. And that's what but, ma and that's what makes America great. People like you, Chris, who are willing to get it done. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the government, so 
Uh, looks like Joe Biden got some more uh, bad news come Friday when the FBI raided his place to look for some more documents, evidently. Seems like the uh, Biden family, they, they leave things all over the place, you know? They leave What's classified documents yeah. all over the place. They leave guns in waste paper baskets and trash cans. They can't. Loaded. They can't even keep track of their laptops. I mean, come on, man. No, they they can't even keep track of the strippers with Ill illegitimate children. I mean, even the former guy. Well, let's not go there. But, and that's a big right, but. Yeah, at least, at, I, at I least mean, at he least acknowledges at, his children. Well, I guess. I guess he does. I don't. I. I don't know if he's acknowledged all, but he's acknowledged many. Which is good. I mean, there's one, we though. All the ones there, that but, I know of. Well, all the ones I know of, he does. Well, I mean, there's no way to know for sure. I, I suspect. I suspect he's <laughs> he's been truth, rather truthful about about his sons and daughters. One thing that uh, intrigues me, though, is, is the one daughter that he seems to have nothing to do with. I mean, that, that's what fascinates me. What, what did she ever do to him? Hey, you know, but... We're all we're all our own person. So if you don't want, you know, look, I got nothing to do with my parents either. Right. Not uh, no, I know, I know everybody's, I know everybody's situations different. I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just raising questions. There's no judgment. It's by by the way, Chris, this is a judgment free zone. I'm not judging. I just ask questions. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but. You, you did judge Donald Trump for, for his handling of classified information. Well, I don't know that I was being judgmental. I just made observations. I, I, I look, look. Here's 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 the thing. If I had highly confidential information belonging to the federal government, I wouldn't leave it at my estate or at, at my uh, what do they call Mar-a-Lago? It's um, sort of a resort, right? So, if if I had confidential documents two things i wouldn't leave them in my florida resort and i certainly wouldn't leave them in my wilmington garage next to the vet those are two things that i think make me a far better choice for president than either the current one or his predecessor but the only difference is is one was a president and one was not Right. So as president, as I, I think I mentioned last hour to a caller, as president, you're entitled. You have access to every, every bit of documents, right. every, everything from the most highly classified document to just, uh, you know, stuff, Donald Trump's uh, menu from, you know, his late night menu, all those documents the, the current president has access to, as he should. I, I think it's pretty safe to say, Bob, if you or I stored those things next to my father-in-law's Corvette, we'd be in Leavenworth. Well, I don't think we'd be in Leavenworth. We'd be in a place a lot worse than Leavenworth. Trust me. We'd be in a federal facility, be in a Supermax. We'd be out in, at Supermax in Colorado or even... I'll tell you what. I, I won't say what would happen to you, but if I did the same thing, if I left boxes of confidential documents next to my Corvette in the garage and they caught me and then they found other confidential documents upon a, another search we of my residence time. 
Yeah, and it wouldn't be in this country. It'd more likely be at, at a place called Gitmo or someplace worse, where the, fo- uh, the food doubt, the food the food isn't good and the torture is uh, a daily a daily routine. Yes, the waterboard torture. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, you know, <laughs> I I I can't even. I've I've seen videos of of people where they you know to demonstrate what waterboarding ostensibly is, is like you know people who volunteer yeah, to dem- no i wouldn't last you wouldn't be thirsty you wouldn't be no thirsty, that's for sure <laughs> no and i i certainly by the way a- after one after one five second treatment of that i would be very compliant whatever they wanted it'd be like yes sir and no sir and and i would be the most you know at, i say on the program i aim to please well if that ever happened to me at gitmo where they wanted to Shall we say, what what are they they what's the word they use? Incentivize. If they wanted to in, really encourage my cooperation, actually they wouldn't even have to demonstrate it. All they would have to do is hint that they're thinking about demonstrating it, and it'd be basically, all right, what do you want to know? And you know, would you know, what do you want in your coffee or whatever? Because I, you know, there's there's no way I could put up with that. So anyway, bottom line, what do you think is going to happen with President Biden? I mean, at at this point, here we are, 23 days into the new year. I don't see how he gets gets out of all of this without being impeached. You know, you know, I I I don't think anything's going to happen. What what the what the problem that I find is like the secrecy with, you know, the the news media and everything like that, literally pushing it all under the rug prior to an election when we all knew exactly what was going, when they all knew exactly what was going on. I just find that very disheartening and very dishonest as a news media in our country. All right? It's a very, uh, I mean, we got to work, so we can't pay attention. So we all do listen to news clips, and that's, that's really how a lot of people function in society because we have to make a living. Well, I, I agree. Well, I will, I will say this as a general statement. The news media always could do a lot better job when covering malfeasance involving current and former elected officials that that i think is is uh 100 true the news media in this country at all levels you know i i, I will assert even at, at the local and state levels uh, you know a lot of elected officials get away with a lot of things that they shouldn't because there's a media i'm not so sure that the media is complicit i'm just saying that right now the media infrastructure has been so decimated that more often than not, it's it's not part of the media's agenda. It's just that there's no media left to cover some of these things. You know, I mean, like the the, the media says, you know, like the, the mass shooting the other day that uh, the Oriental guy who killed ten people or whatever. First things first, they come out as white supremacists, of course. Do they know anything? Well, but but that unfortunately, it seems to happen with any major story not just mass shootings but any major breaking story especially when it comes to cable news but not exclusively it also happens with online news sources every everybody moves into high gear for a high profile breaking news story and one component that goes with covering breaking news is to come haul in the so-called experts whether it's uh, law enforcement experts or whatever, 
and then the speculation machine gets started almost instantly. I'm looking for the common sense, please. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more common sense all around in media and elsewhere this year. So maybe. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, appreciate I, your. I, I agree with you 100% on that, and thank you for your time. Hey, thank you, Chris. Yeah, more common sense. I would encourage the people in positions of power in the media, the media world, to find ways. And I don't have a solution. I trust me. If I had a solution, I wouldn't be standing here on the radio talking about it. I would find a way to implement it. But there has to be some way in the United States today to begin to rebuild the media infrastructure so it can serve all Americans. Not target audiences, not a specific demo, but all Americans need access to better news coverage on a daily basis. And that's across the whole country. And it's not just the national news or news from state capitals. It includes local news as well. And I acknowledge the problems facing the media right now didn't happen overnight. The trouble that traditional media are facing is not something that recently developed. It's been decades in the making. So that means it's going to take some time to try to fix it. But it would be a good idea if the people in charge of media companies right now would start working at long-term solutions and try to fix the problem that a lack of news coverage means for this country. It wasn't always this way, and it shouldn't always be this way. It's 1141. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. I never... Eleven forty-three with Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. If you have a few thoughts, we have a few minutes left on our Monday program. Of course, we'll be here all week. We do it, believe it or not, Monday through Friday, every weekday, nine to noon. So, if you've just discovered the program, I hope you'll plan to make it a regular. A regular thing. Just make it a habit. Oh, this just in. From the wide world of basketball. University at Albany men's basketball coach Dwayne Killings has just pleaded not guilty to an assault charge that accuses him of pushing a player against a locker and slapping him across the face with an open hand before a game in Kentucky. Again, University at Albany men's basketball coach Dwayne Killings has just entered a not guilty plea to an assault charge in connection with an incident in 2021 involving a player in Kentucky. That's according to 
the Albany Times Union. Killings arraignment was held over a video conference with the coach appearing from Albany. One of his attorneys asked that the court schedule his next appearance for March 20th after the team's regular season will have concluded. The charge stems from an incident that's already led to a university investigation and a lawsuit from the player involved who alleges the coach threw him against a locker and struck him in the face before a game at Eastern Kentucky University. Criminal complaint filed in the Kentucky court states that an Eastern Kentucky University police officer received a phone call from the player reporting the complaint. So, anyway... Interesting case. I don't. I don't know a whole lot more. I, I will say there's more on the Times Union website. University at Albany found that Killings made inappropriate physical contact with a student in a pregame hype circle before a game, and he was assessed a twenty-five thousand dollar fine and given a five-game suspension by the school. The player involved filed a lawsuit against Killings, as well as the school's athletic director and the university, alleging that Killings violently and viciously grabbed him, threw him up against a locker, and struck him in the face, drawing blood. So there you go. As they say, it's always something. 11.46 WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Ah, we lost him. Hey, call back if you were on the line while I was offering you that latest on that University at Albany case. It's 1147 with Bob Joseph. Our number is 607-772-1290. You can also send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Welcome. But you're not cause the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through Toast to the ones here today Toast to the ones that we lost on the way Cause the drinks bring back all the memories And the memories bring back memories bring back your There's a time that I remember When I did not know no pain When I believed in forever And everything would stay the same now my heart feel like December When somebody say your day Cause I can't reach out to call you But I know I will one day yeah. Everybody hurts sometimes Everybody hurts someday yeah. WNBF at 11.50 with Bob Joseph Let's take another call Here's to the ones that we got Cheers to the Morning, you're on the air What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Hello. you're hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Oh, good. My name is Margaret from Antwell, and I was hoping you would uh, share or give me the name of the newspaper archive site you spoke about with pictures from long ago. It's called newspapers.com. Just newspapers.com. Okay. Uh-huh. And if you go there, 
they give you information on what you can do if you want to um, become a subscriber or a member. Member, I mean, they they have access. I just punched up their uh, homepage. It says they have 824 million newspaper pages. That's a lot of papers. They're a bit probably by at this rate by. At the end of uh, the year, or maybe next year, they'll have a billion newspaper pages, and it's wow. fascinating. And oh. if you want full access, you could get access, say, just to the Binghamton newspaper for one price, or if you want access to all their archives, it costs a bit more, but it's, it's not really that expensive. And I'd say, okay. I'd say it's worth checking out. I, I'm highly interested, and I appreciate you sharing it with me. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. It's 11.51 at News Radio, WNBF, and WNBF.com. As you have discerned, <laughs> if you've been listening to the program for any length of the time, you know I'm fascinated by history. Well, here's breaking news. And I'm just seeing this now for the first time, so... I don't know what to make of it, but it's interesting if true. Isn't that true of most news? <laughs> interesting if true. Anyway, there's a, a report that is now on the New York Post website, billed as a business exclusive, and the claim is, according to the story by Josh Cosman, Jeff Bezos will sell the Washington Post to buy commanders, according to investors. So, first, this is a, in my opinion, the bigger aspect is that he's talking about selling the Washington Post. Oh, good. So, does that mean he'll sell it to Gannett? He better not. So, say what you will about Jeff Bezos. He got a real deal a few years ago when he snapped up the Washington Post newspaper. I believe he paid what was considered to be a bargain price. I think it was $250 million when he bought it about a decade ago. And now there's this report from the New York Post that Jeff Bezos may, in fact, sell the Washington Post newspaper and then buy the NFL franchise that once was known as the Washington Commanders. So the story says, does Jeff Bezos love football more than he loves newspapers? That's a question getting tossed around the nation's capital. As its NFL franchise hits the block, chatter is growing that Amazon's billionaire founder is looking to clear the way for a purchase of the Washington football team by selling the Washington Post newspaper with speculation that was boosted by leaked video of the publisher, Fred Ryan, disclosing layoff plans at an unruly town meeting. Gee, I can't believe that there's a media outlet anywhere in the United States where the employees could be disgruntled. Wow. This story says the problem for Bezos, reportedly, is that the owner of the Washington football team, Dan Snyder, is still sore over the newspaper's series of exposés alleging a toxic management culture at the team, where bosses, including Snyder, allegedly enabled sex harassment. Some even believe Snyder suspects Jeff Bezos encouraged the tough coverage in 2020 in a bid to force him to sell the team. Well, there's a conspiracy theory. 
I won't say just because it seems to be a conspiracy theory. I won't. I won't go so far as to say it's not true. Jeff Bezos stoked fears about looming layoffs at the Washington Post during an awkward visit to the newsroom last week. A source said Bezos told the paper's senior staff in private meetings that he had no plans to sell the paper. Nevertheless, one logical suitor believes the Washington Post is for sale and plans to bid. Doesn't say if it's Gannett. Yikes. Yikes. I mean, I, I certainly can understand if some people in the audience right now don't really care much for the Washington Post. I do get it, but there's still, in my opinion, they're still one of the nation's great newspapers. They're not staffed at the same level they once were. Certainly they... They have adjusted their coverage accordingly. But over the last decade, under the ownership of Jeff Bezos, seems that the Washington Post has been doing some fairly good journalism. Eh, not without its problems, but at least they haven't hired another Janet Cook who would fabricate a story about an eight-year-old boy who uses heroin. That was pretty embarrassing. So, I don't know. That's, that's pretty grim. Well, depending, who's to say that a buyer, if someone emerges to buy the Washington Post newspaper, who's to say that it couldn't be somebody of integrity? Or, unfortunately, the way things are going with newspapers and other media in this country these days, could be somebody, a hedge fund, or even worse, Gannett. Imagine the Washington Post being turned into... A Gannett ghost paper. So maybe I'll... I, I may, after the program, text Jeff Bezos and beg him to please not sell the Washington Post newspaper. He has enough money to continue owning the Washington Post newspaper and to also buy the Washington football team. He just is that wealthy. So I hope he doesn't sell. It's 1157. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Your News Radio 1290 WNBF. Monday morning, off to a, a splendid start. Now, I will depart the beautiful and warm studio to go out into the snow and the slush and the muck and the cold to report some news for you, which you'll see coming up this afternoon on our website, WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph. Catch you tomorrow morning right here on News Radio, WNBF, Binghamton.